Hello, how's it going, Bene? This is Rina Diptianabil, and this is my podcast, The Sisterhood of Mummy Imperfect. If you're a regular listener, then welcome back. Know that I appreciate you, and I hope that you're getting what you need from this podcast. And if you're a new listener, then welcome to The Sisterhood. And make sure you subscribe because this podcast is a place where you get your weekly dose of girl chat. It's a place where each and every episode, I explore the many fascinating parts of being a female and it's a place where women support women. So this Sunday is Father's Day. So in this episode, I am talking father figures and how important it is for women to have a father figure, whether there is um, that's a biological father figure or another male caregiver or role model. And as women, how much of an impact do our father figures have on the way that we feel about ourselves? Also, you know, what we look for in a partner. I'm going to be discussing all this and more with my guest today, Manpreet Johal, is an inter- intergenerational trauma and happiness coach and a podcaster. And she's here today to share her experience with me. Welcome to the Sisterhood of Mommy Imperfect, Manpreet. Thank you very much. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to have this conversation with you. Um, first of all, um, it's lovely having you and I have listened to your podcast um, and uh, one of the episodes that really stood out to me and I really, you know, felt it like in my heart was when you spoke about your relationship with your dad and also your granddad as well and, mm-hmm. you know, certain uh, kind of challenges that they were going through in their life. And, you know, like, uh, I mean, I'm just going to say it like with, with the whole like alcohol thing and things and being from a Punjabi family myself and having members of the family who are um, going through that challenge themselves I, I really related to that and I, and I mm-hmm. will bring that up um, later on as well but um, like first of all like how how important do you think that for women and girls father figures are like how important do you think father figures are and um, they're like everything to be fair because basically they are literally your first love right so they're teaching you um what men are like what feels safe what is normal um what is healthy what is not you don't know because they're your like baseline so whatever they're like that is what you think is normal for a man so for my dad and my my granddad whom I lived with I thought that drinking lots being really aggressive and um being abusive to your wife was normal that's what I thought was normal I felt like men were really unsafe because of the example that they gave me in my house so that set a whole load of things in motion, you know, from zero to seven, that is when we are um, developing in our brain and our nervous system. So what's going on in our house and our families impacts us so, so much. And so that beginning part of our life and that relationship with them and that attachment to them, um, especially dad, um, really shapes things. And for me personally, you know, it really, um, I didn't realise the impact until I was much older, until I was in my 30s and I was trying to get into a relationship myself that I really noticed how much I was struggling. And I I thought it was because of me, because I wasn't good enough or there was something wrong with me. But actually it goes back to those early relationships. So, um, and, you know, Mum is so important, but what I've realised as I've got older is how important dad is as well. Like they provide safety and a grounding and security and their love is is so needed, especially when it goes into, you know, relationships. And a lot of the clients that I work with are mainly women and men who have struggled with that relationship with their dad. And then it's showing up in their self-esteem and also in their relationships with like romantic, especially. Yeah, yeah. And, and people always say, you know, 
oh, you know, girls should be with their mom and hang around with their mom and, and they're sorted and boys should be with their dad because, uh, you know, they can uh, teach them how to be a man and all this. But it it is so important, like you said, for girls to have that bond, right? And And some people, you know, don't. They don't, you know, I know people who they've never had a relationship with their dad because the dad disappeared when they were one years old like their dad is there somewhere out there and I wonder how that Mm. feels to them because that's quite hurtful to know that your dad is out there but he's got another family and he doesn't care about you and has nothing to do with you so you've never had that um but in your case um like you said your dad he he was around um and I'm he was uh, he was until I was 26 and then he, that's when he took his life but yeah he was around my whole upbringing um so was my bumper until he died but um and and even that you know uh, unavailable dad so my dad might have been physically in the house um but he was emotionally unavailable so just like say some of those people that you're talking about whose dad is literally not there um some of us can have a dad in the house who's unavailable because of, you know, they've got a drink problem because they've got a mental health issue because they've got their own childhood tra- trauma wounds. And that's all of the things that my dad had. So as a little girl, I would long for him, for his love, his attention, his connection. And he wouldn't give that to me because he was in a place of pain. But I internalized that as, oh, I'm not good enough. It's because I'm not a good girl. And I can't tell you how much I tried to please that man, you know, like tried to be everything that he wanted me to be, study what he wanted me to be, you know, uh, you know, I even tried to marry the person he wanted me, everything. I tried to do all of it because I so wanted that approval from him and to make him happy because we put our parents on a pedestal, right? Like we think that they're perfect and there's nothing wrong with them. And, you know, um, you know, and as a small child, we internalize that we think it's us. And that's certainly what I did with my dad. So I've had conversations with women who've, whose dad has not been part of their life. And we have the same story. The way our trauma played out is so similar. Mm. The way we struggled in relationships, the way we struggled with our self-esteem, our self-worth, maybe even our own addictions. You know, all of that was so the same, even though, you know, my dad was present in my house, very, very present. He was you know, telling me what to do. And but I think it's all relevant. So sometimes we think our story is not that bad. It's like, oh, well, that person lost their dad when they were really young or that person, um, you know, didn't have their dad. And I had my dad. So I'm really lucky. But the thing is, it's all important to us and our story and our development. It all counts. Every everybody's story matters, Mm. especially to them and, you know, how it develops them and makes them grow. And what I find is that some of us that have struggled with, you know, those relationships with our dads, it does come up you know, at some point in our lives. Yeah. I mean, did you get any affection from him at any time? Yeah. Yeah, I did. My dad was like, um, you know, he could be such a sweetheart. He was like a Jekyll and Hyde type of character. So he could be very loving, way more than my mom, like give hugs, um, you know, who'd tell me he loved me, but he would just switch. So this wasn't even alcohol related. It would just be that you know, he was a teacher and he'd come home and he was really tired and stressed with work and he would be making it my problem. It's because I haven't been doing something. I haven't shut the door. I haven't cleaned this up. I haven't done my home. You know, he would basically take that anger and that frustration out on me not being good. And that's what I internalized. It was like, it's because I'm not good enough. I'm bad. I didn't, now I see it through adult eyes and I'm like, actually he was really tired and he was probably quite dysregulated. Mm. But in that moment, I feel like he hates me and I'm not good enough. So what, what I feel like with my dad is that, um, so I pined and longed for his love so much 
much because when I did get it, it was it, it could be so amazing. And then other times it could be, you know, he could swear at me, he could call me names, he could, you know, threaten me. I mean, he wasn't physically violent, but he was very emotionally abusive, but he could turn on that at any point. And um, his dad was also very similar. Like he was quite an affectionate like man and had this really warm lovely part of him but he also had this really dark side and I think that always confused me about men and and that was always the men that I was attracted to as well that would have that kind of flip um in them and I just didn't understand I tried to be so good and sensible and you know and but they would still get angry with me and so I just couldn't work him out um and I found that really hard I I, from a very young age I used to just journal about like like how can I make my dad love me like what can I do because or make him happy or make him you know not have childhood trauma I don't know what I was trying to do but I certainly think I was trying to fix my dad sometimes well that's a lot for a kid yes it was a lot lot. it was a lot it was a lot yeah for a long time I was very depressed as throughout my um like childhood teenage years because it was heavy um and also because um, living with him you know the dynamic between him and my mum you know my mum's um she's had an arranged marriage with him it's not someone that she's chosen his, his family was very different to hers her family weren't alcoholics or anything mm. like that and they were more of a I guess a spiritual family so she had never seen anything like that and um, so also their relationship which you know there was emotional domestic abuse within their relationship not physical but everything else and that as well like the navigating around that so I I sort of became her protector and their counsellor because their relationship was just so dysfunctional basically Mm. and and you're right with the Punjabi families like I've noticed you you do get like there's a spiritual kind of families you know who are all you know a lot of them vegetarian spiritual like kind of quiet well-to-do Punjabi families then you get the whole oh wheel of meat and alcohol and partying and that's a lot of fun when it's all good and we're partying but then it goes into a downward spiral very quickly doesn't it Mm. well I think you know because I talk a lot about intergenerational trauma on my um, podcast Mm -hmm. like Punjabi people generationally have been through a lot of trauma like our history goes back generations and generations Mm -hmm. generations and I think that people have been trying to find a way to soothe that pain because that has come from their parents and you know in my dad's family that was very much through alcoholism and in my mom's family that was yeah that was seeking maybe religion and success and like um academic achievement and all these kind of things but really they were still medicating the same problem like my mom's family weren't perfect because they didn't drink and they weren't spiritual they still forced her to marry somebody who was the son of an alcoholic and when she wanted to leave that marriage she wasn't encouraged or supported to do that so what's the difference you know and I think um that's because we do have a lot of trauma in our culture and our society that's that's gone back a long long time and we're seeing it more and more because of you know the alcoholism it it sort of spreads more and more it's very obvious when that that line of trauma is coming but it comes from the other place as well yeah yeah and then okay so you you sadly like you lost your dad and you were in your 20s at this time yes that's right and 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 you say you said that he took his own life he did yes so um so the the very like depressing story of all of it was my mum and dad turned 50 the same year and um my dad hadn't been working for a while and he was getting progressively worse um from being at home and my mum she just sort of hit a wall with it like she couldn't 
deal with the, the abuse anymore. So she did actually leave him. And um, there was a couple of months where he just was spiraling mentally because he, she was literally holding him together. So without her, he was just so, so just struggling so much. And then he did take his life like probably about two months after that. And but at this point as well, his mental health has got so bad. This is how it can happen um, that he wouldn't speak to me or my brother because he'd become so paranoid. So there was definitely a mental health condition that was undiagnosed, that was beneath the surface mm-hmm. as well. And again, that gets missed in our culture all of the time because people don't get help. Yeah. They don't get the support they need. Um, wives are covering up you know, we were covering up the way my dad was all the years that we were with him. There was definitely something not right there, but us trying to fix him and help him and support him. Mm-hmm. We really weren't doing him a favor because he didn't get the help that he needed. So he did, unfortunately did take his life. Um, so it's a long time now, 14 years ago. And, and in all honesty, when he died, I just thought my life would get better because he was such a pain in my heart. Like he was such a pain, you know, he caused me such pain and discomfort. So I just thought now he's gone. Maybe now I can be safe it will get better but actually it did not get better because there was so much love that I had for him or I have for him that was that I was ignoring and the grief I was pushing it away because of it was complicated because of not just the suicide but the 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 abuse that I'd suffered by him and just our relationship in general but what's underlying of all that is a, a little girl that loves her dad and that lost her dad. So it it was compl- it's very complicated. And I definitely think my mental health journey kicked off massively after he went. I mean, first of all, I I'm sorry to hear that you went through all of that because that's a lot. Like even in your twenties to to then lose him and all the stuff that came to the surface, um, because you weren't getting what you needed from your dad and and kind of pining after that love and affection. Did you seek a father figure elsewhere? as well did you turn to I don't know relatives or whatever or even in relationships uh, down the line um so yeah I mean I I guess I I have a couple of uncles that you know I kind of wished was my dad yeah. <laughs> if you like but it's not re- it wasn't really the same and I think for me the way that this played out was um even after he'd gone more so after he'd gone actually um when when he was around I was too busy trying to please him so I never had like boyfriends or anything like that but um after he'd gone I certainly started to find myself attracted to men that felt like him so um unconsciously so they would maybe have a drinking problem or a drug problem or they might be struggling in their relationship a friendship or um you know I found myself drawn to these type of men that basically needed a therapist not me and I found myself drawn to them and drawn to trying to fix them and help them and maybe then they would choose me and and love me and you know be with me so I spent a lot of time energy money even sometimes um with these kind of men especially after he'd he'd gone because and I didn't I didn't know it at the time but now I know it's because they just felt like him and I, I just missed him and also that was the only template for love I knew I only knew a love of a man that gave it to me and took it away gave it to me and took it away gave it to me and was asking me for help all of the time you know even as a little girl that's you know he saw me a child as a way to give him hope to give him hope to live to help him to combat his mental health but obviously I'm a kid I can't do that Mm -hmm. so I found myself doing that with men and 
it was really, and that is when I really started to hit my low and rock bottom because it was so incredibly painful to keep reliving what I'd gone through as a child with him in these other relationships. And, you know, and I'm well into my thirties at this point, I'm like, you know, getting towards 35, I think when I first started to start to heal and I'm like, you know, everybody else in my life is getting married, having children. What the hell is wrong with me? And it's just, you know, I don't feel good enough. I don't feel worthy, which is all these things that my dad had told me. I was like, well, it must be true. That's why they, I, they don't want to be with me. But actually, I mean, they don't want to be, they didn't want to be with anyone. They needed to have a therapist. You know, it wasn't any ever about me. But um, when I was going through that experience, it was so painful because, um, you know, I'd got into this is codependent dance with them. So often I was attracted to more narcissistic men um, that were a bit more self-obsessed or, you know, or just very light need fixing, you know. So I was just all about them. I obsessed about them. They were an addiction and actually it is an addiction. So to if anybody listening to this is in caught into cycles like that, it's actually an addiction. Like just like we have Alcoholics Anonymous, there is, a you know, there is what we call SLA, which is, I think it's like, love addiction and sexual addiction but love addiction is what I had which is um the chasing of an emotionally unavailable man it's the obsession of someone that you cannot have have and as a 30 year old woman that has a, a career and a flat and all these things I honestly thought there was something seriously wrong with me but what I realized but what happened was because I got so low that it took me to to the path that I then went on to to begin to start to heal it mm. And and now you are helping other people, which is a the really beautiful thing about this that you're you're helping other people to heal as well, like through your experiences. Um, so, I I, I have actually read uh, like studies and stuff which are um, kind of you know what you're saying it, it makes sense and it's in these studies like you know how um, women who've had secure and supportive relationships with their fathers are more likely to be successful on the romantic front and it and it and it does kind of make sense and I do know other people as well who they'll say to me oh you know my dad didn't give me affection and he just said you know do the housework do your studying and there was nothing and then they've been kind of chasing after affection from a guy um for their whole lives and it and it led to a string of relationships one after the other I have to be in a relationship I have to have this I have to have that affection from a guy you know, so so yeah. I, I have heard that as well. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's attachment trauma. That's what it's called. Attachment um, trauma. So right. yeah, so that's what it is. It's from it's it's it all comes from those early childhood wounds, and then basically what you're doing is unconsciously you're repeating that pattern because you know, like I'm pretty spiritual these days, and I I do believe that my soul was just trying to heal. So how is it going to heal? Well, I have to keep I had to keep opening up that cut until I realized that oh my god, I need to do something. I need to change, and I had to take responsibility for myself and be like I am doing this to myself this is you know he's not here anymore this is me doing this to myself and really um step into like learning because what it what was underneath all of it was a real lack of self-love a real lack of self-esteem self-worth I didn't believe I was worthy of those men that you know I like funny story I, I was getting set up on arranged marriage dates to men who are very available and want to get married I'd have a panic attack after seeing someone like that they did, did you not they, think you were good enough? No, I just, I didn't like them. I wasn't okay. attracted to them. Okay. I was not drawn to them because, you know, no, I didn't consciously think I'm not good enough. I just thought, oh, I don't like them. But this is what it was. It was, I was chasing after the unavailable people. And then there was this one person that was unavailable and then he became available. And then I pushed him away because 
really it's it's an intimacy disorder of again men don't feel safe to me so yeah am I like the chase and the pursuit of one but actually you know being with one was terrifying in itself I mean I I just got married recently so I am now married Joe Halbeni but um you know and it took me a long time to get there but at the the early stage of our relationship you know I couldn't even express my needs to him or say what I wanted or what I thought because I I wasn't used to that and I didn't know this type of man it was so weird for me and you know my brain would come up with all these things like are you sure are you sure he's the right person for you? Because he just felt so different to, to the men that I knew. So that's kind of, and I had to go on a real journey to sort of heal and be able to get into that relationship. And you know, you know, Mandri, um, the thing is as well, like with um, most South Asian women, I don't know if it was like this for you, but I'm guessing it might have been. We don't get this talk of, oh, you know, relationships, dating. Do you like anyone out there? How are they treating you? And we don't get that because you're not supposed to be doing it anyway. So mm-hmm. you kind of have like, you know, if you do date someone, it's all kind of like on the DL and you don't tell anyone. And then if it's gone all wrong and weird, like you wouldn't voice that to anyone. So no one tells you what to expect. You don't no. actually know. Well, I don't think our parents know either, do they? Because they no, have no. arranged marriages themselves. That's so, so. Yes, that is Which true. Which is the blind leading the blind, right? No, but exactly. I mean, everyone in my family told me, you can't have a boyfriend. And then when I was 22, it's like, well, where's your boyfriend? And yes. You get married. And I'm just like, you've just told me my whole life I'm not allowed to look at boys. <laughs> literally. <laughs> so I don't know how to Literally do that. happened to me, yes. Like, oh, you're not going to get married then? Like, did you not find anyone at uni? I'm like, you told me to, yeah, you told me to study. Don't look at boys. Don't talk to them. Yeah, and I did what I was told because I was a good girl. And then when I got into 22 or whatever, then they were like, well, you have to get married. So I had all these horrendous, you know, some of them were really nice. So it was just me, but some of them were really not. (laughs) You know, and that was just awful. And then, you know, as I got closer to 30, it's like, well, you're too picky. You're this, you're that. And as I get older now, I'm like, no, I just had attachment trauma. That's what it was. But, you know, and and luckily for me, I found my own way because uh, I learned how to love myself and then, um, approach dating and finding love as in what's good for me and not what my family and parents expected from me so I didn't pick someone you know he's not Punjabi he's not from a South Asian background um, but he feels safe to me and good to me and you know and his family are lovely and it's just just right for me and what I need mm. rather than um, you know ticking a box for somebody else and I never thought that my family would accept that or be happy but everyone's like super overjoyed about it because he's lovely but you know but they they never knew that when I was 22 they if I said 20 oh yeah. you know what in like when I'm 40 I'm gonna get married to a white man they would probably <laughs> have freaked out about that well, but yeah. but that I that they went on the journey with me and I was really honest about it as well so after a while after I stopped trying to please everyone at 35 I was like, I'm not seeing any more of the guys that you want me to I'm really messed up like everything with my dad and my parents it's messed me up and I really just need to work on myself and that's what I did for you know a good good few years before I met somebody mm-hmm. which is that which is a really healthy thing for you to do actually. yeah Some people don't get yeah that realization. Well, for me it was just so essential because at the end of the day I was attracted to men like my dad and if I had children I would be having children like me And that was just such a no-no for me. So I'd rather wait till I'm older and let's see what happens about having a family than repeating that cycle. That was, you know, that was really important to me. And in my own way, I was keeping myself safe by, you know, chasing men I was never going to be with because they weren't going to give me a baby. And that would be great because I was so scared of like having me or my brother. So um, in my own way, you know, I've been on a mission, I guess, 
and to heal that generational trauma in my family. And, you know, now I see my relationship that I've created with my husband is just so different. Like we don't shout and it's, um, you know, it's just a completely different world. So if I'm blessed enough to have children, I know that um, it's because of that healing that I did. Mm. Um I, I kind of relate to what you said about, you know, you didn't marry someone Punjabi and Indian and and then your family went on the journey with you because the exact same thing happened with me. It was just like, like everything's fine. And, and, and you know what? The thing is, if I think about it, like actually my husband, if I think about it, is kind of what my dad and yes, told no, well. no no he no he said he's it's what my dad told me to actually the kind of person I, he told me to marry like obviously he didn't mean like marry someone out of your race but but, <laughs> but yeah exactly <laughs> but everything else is just what you said but like you know he's yeah just very... yeah mine is too mine is too he's everything I, I made I did a speech at my wedding and I was like you know my dad would have would have loved you you're everything he wanted but you're just a bit white yeah. <laughs> it's true <laughs> Yeah, my, my, mine's a bit black but yeah everything oh, yeah. else oh, is the, every exactly but everything else is exactly what they were and even even the family in India though they're like oh he's so sensible he doesn't do this he's so sensible and he is one of those you know and probably calms me down a bit so so I think I probably was that <laughs> yeah so I, I think I probably was subconsciously looking for this but but one of the things my dad did was he he did such he was, you know, he, he sat me down and he said, oh, what kind of guy do you want to look for? Like, what's on your list and what should we look for you? You know, and, and that was quite nice, actually, because... Oh, that's really nice. Uh, yeah, it's nice. I don't nice. think anyone asked me. <laughs> um, but my, like, my mum didn't, because I think, I don't know, I think my dad, this is the thing with the generational thing, he'd been his dad's best friend, you know, not mm. so much his mum, because she was quite strict and hardcore, but his dad was, I think, I didn't know him because he passed away when I was born, but... Uh, so my my um, granddad, my dad, Daji, was apparently very jovial, very friendly with his kids. And on a, that friend's basis, and my dad had that in his head, that's what a dad should be. So he was quite, you know, he was strict. Yeah, but you quite, do repeat what you know, don't that's you? It. So that's what he did. And that's what I was lucky with that because, um, you know, he, he and I've said this before on this podcast, it, it is things like, oh, let's make decisions. But where do we want to go on a family trip? Oh, come on, girls. What do you think? Um, you know, where do you want to go? Oh, um or like what what color should we paint this house or something like that so things like that that we felt like oh we are important and you know we have got a voice in this house and our parents do actually listen to us so mm. and i think that that was really important because i know that other people maybe didn't have that i mean my dad this is the thing it's like he was he has got faults he's got faults of of his own and he was quite pushy and i did feel for a very long time I am not a successful person because I'm not a millionaire or I'm not a doctor or I'm not a lawyer. And that's what he wanted for us. And he was very pushy um, studying wise. Um, oh, you've got to study, mm. you've got to do this. And all oh, my friends, kids are doing all this and that kind of thing. So it did make us feel like, oh, you know, we're not on this path that you wanted us to be on. So we're not good enough. And it took me until like I had my last kid. So at, like 37 to actually get over that. And I had I somehow mm, it got, takes a long time. Yeah, and and it's not and it's not like he was a bad person or anything, but that just little thing. Oh, my dad's not proud of me, and and he is proud of me, I think. But it took me till like in my th late thirties to then close that and think, you know what? It's okay. We're good. We're good. It's it's fine. And then and also 
you know, I wanted to talk to you about like the whole forgiving them as we age, because now I'm just like, it, what? Like, that's my complaint. Oh, my dad was too pushy and wanted me to do well at my studies. What the hell am I complaining about? Hello? Like, so what? And and that made but you're me... You're allowed to complain. You're allowed to feel those feelings. Do you know what I mean? Like, I think that's an important part of forgiveness is actually that the little you, um, you know, they didn't mean to, but yeah. like, you know, we came as a force of energy to be who we were truly meant to be. They did take that as away from us. So like you could have been anything. Like I loved art and psychology and stuff like that. My dad didn't allow me to do any of those things. Funny that I do yeah. do what I do now because he didn't want me to do that. But like, you know, um, and I think it's just actually part of forgiveness is grieving what you didn't have and, you know, grieving, um, you know, their faults and everything I and I the reason why I talk and teach a lot about generational trauma is you know they did the best they could with the tools they had so like your dad when he was saying that to you he might have been coming as a as an immigrant you know and like yeah I just want my kids to be successful so they're safe because I don't feel safe in this country and you need money and you know you need these things to be successful I mean us you know third generation to second generation that's what we were all told like I can't tell you the amount of guilt I feel for leaving my job at the BBC to follow my dream because that's what I was told I was like go to good go to a good chump company you work your way through it you don't go off on a, on a side on a side hustle and then make it into a job you know and I think like understanding their story is really important because that will help you to forgive them because you'll realize that they often came from a place of pain themselves because they have their own stories their own traumas and then um grieving what you didn't have and you know that's okay like now I see what I didn't get with my dad and even with my mom, who's like one of the most loveliest women, but she did mess me up too. It's not like it's just him. And, you know, and what great things I got from both of them and what didn't. And that took me a long time. And some people have been through awful things with their parents, abuse, sexual abuse, all sorts yeah. of horrible mm-hmm. things. So that is a real journey. And with that comes the grieving of what you didn't have. And my big, big tip about this is learning to become the parent you always wanted, you know, being the parent to your own inner child that lies within you, the one that still feels bad about leaving Mm -hmm. a job at the BBC, you know, being there for that part of you, because that's really powerful. Mm -hmm. Um, And you need, I I do that all the time. In my office, I have photos of myself as a little girl. I talk to her. I teach my clients how to do that because that's so powerful because then you're not trying to please your parents. You're just being you but you're being strong enough to be you because it is scary to be you like the other day um, we had some family over and my uncle like my mustard whom I love so much gave me like the third degree about leaving my job and I was like I felt sick in my stomach my heart was racing I felt so naughty and I really did feel like I was a seven-year-old and um, I was just like oh my god what's going on here like it's fine and when I breathed and calmed down and took care of myself I was able to have the conversation with him like an adult and it was fine um, and that's the thing we think our parents are you know they've got all the answers but they don't because they've got their stuff too and they went through so yeah. much you know to even come here yeah yeah and and that yeah is one thing that I realized just to be a bit more like okay you know you you're a person at the end of the day you're not just born to be your parents right you're a person so no um and you'll be happier when you live life the way you want to want to yeah. have it and that you can show them the way that's why I realized with my family you can show them there's another way and that's, um, that's what's definitely happened in my life yeah absolutely and not not with everyone I can appreciate but you know with some people like you, I also left my job at the BBC that I had for years and my dad oh, was no, devastated. Yes, yes, okay. I did. And my dad was devastated because he wanted me to just oh, have that stable. Gosh, everyone's you know, and then the he BBC, can't, no one Yeah, <laughs> and now he's like, oh, she's a hustler. Okay, I can't say she works for the BBC anymore. Um, but uh, I just want to uh, quickly just uh, talk to you about what you do. And uh, I know that you... Um, 
run uh like courses and things like that so just just uh give people a little bit of info about what you do and where they can find more info about you yeah sure so i am so i help people with trauma recovery because that's basically what this is um so i do that with one-to-one coaching but i also run courses because i used to be a trainer and a change manager at the bbc so i've really taken that skill and so because i've got lots of international people following me now because of the podcast so I've started recently to do courses online the first one launched yesterday actually which is like helping people to say no to their families giving them the templates so I do a lot of training like that but I do a lot of one-to-one work as well and I also have um, a membership so people that are trying to make the changes in their life where they're trying to be healthier you know we can get a reaction from our families when we change because they find it very uncomfortable and that can feel very lonely and scary so I help people um, with that to um but really I'm just trying to help people to heal from that past story and become like be able to love themselves be able to have healthy relationships be able to end things like people pleasing and any kind of addictions that they may have got along the way like overworking for example or people pleasing all of those things and just really just getting people and breaking these these cycles of trauma is like my big big mission because you know like I just don't I just think that we need to help our people to heal from it it's just it's been going on a long time Um, and I love it so much like since I left the BBC I sort of incorporated all those skills I had but done further training in like so I'm a trauma-informed coach I do EFT tapping which helps the body to release um, the trauma and NLP which is all about changing the brain and mindset and stuff like that so all a lot of the things that help me that's kind of what I've helped other people with now. Mm-hmm. And so where can people find more info about you? Have you got website and uh, social media handles yeah. and stuff? That's right. So it's hearts happiness. So hearts underscore underscore happiness is me on Instagram. And my website is www.heartshappiness.co.uk. Okay. So Manpreet, I just really want to say thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story and um, what you do. And I really, I really appreciate it. Um, and hopefully let's keep in touch. Um, but Yes, thank you so much. Yeah. Um, Uh, Thank you for listening as well. Please do share this podcast um, and spread the love. And um, yeah, um, follow me also at Sisterhood or Mommy Imperfect um, on Insta or at Rina D. Annabelle. And um, yeah, I'll be back again next week with um, something new for you. Bye.